How many steps do you take before you have foot pain? Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store, and the truth is, the battle between our feet and the concrete or asphalt usually winds up with our feet losing. Studies show that about 75% of people will experience some kind of foot pain by middle age. I found that out a number of years ago with plantar fasciitis, and I tried to remedy it with shoes and drugstore cushions that didn't work. Finally, I went to the Good Feet Store, was personally fitted for arch supports, and I love them so much, I bought the store. Without a plan to protect and support your feet, it is likely you could one day be one of the millions living with chronic foot pain. Don't wait until pain demands that you visit us. Stop by the Good Feet Store today and let one of our trained arch support specialists fit you with your personal system of arch supports. The Good Feet Store is located in Fairfax, Leesburg, Rockville, Baltimore and Hunt Valley, and in Annapolis in the Annapolis Harbor Center. For more information, go to goodfeet.com. Hi, this is Bob Costas, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. And the ML Sports Platter is back with you. All the downloads and subscriptions and uh, shares and everything else and uh, reviews and five stars uh, in terms of the ratings are appreciated. We are presented by our great friends over at Bryant and Stratton College of Syracuse. Two awesome locations, Route 57 in Liverpool and James Street in the city. They've got two and four-year degrees, a nursing program, a PT program. They just grow every day, so make sure you find uh, what you're looking for at Bryant and Stratton College. You might be coming right out of high school. You might be coming right out of you know 30 years in an industry uh, in a certain vertical, and you're like, hey, you know what? I'm done. I, I need I need a change. Bryant and Stratton College can help you with that. BryantStratton.edu. Go check them out, and of course, fill out the questionnaire, and uh, you'll be very satisfied with what uh, with what they'll have to offer. For you, a big time thanks as well to Axe Exotic Pets, Ken's Auto Detailing, the Syracuse Fitness Store, and Prestwick Golf. So I'm going to spend a good, you know, 15ish minutes, maybe talking about um, Syracuse football, and then you will hear a crossover episode of the Bills Brawl, my Steelers Bills recap, a look ahead to Miami. Uh, this week, and of course, Sal Marano uh, joined the podcast uh, from the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle, the longtime Buffalo Bills reporter. You'll enjoy that segment uh, after I talk a little SU football. Here's the thing. It's getting old. It's pathetic. The program is just in absolute shambles. Um, and, you know, Dino Babers, I was told by a lot of national media people, that Syracuse stole him, right? They're like, you know, Syracuse doesn't pay coaches, but man, here's a guy who should be getting hired and should be getting paid a lot of money because he's really that good, right? And the pedigree, <clears throat> the growth, the, the the ladder climbing when he was hired, you know, what was it now, five years ago? seems like 100 years ago, 2016 until now. So 21, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, six years ago. You know, that that time he was, what, 54. And he grew and ladder climbed <clears throat> up the ranks. You know, wide receiver coach, GA in the beginning, uh, OCQB coordinators and coaches uh, jobs, UCLA, Pittsburgh, A&M. Uh, he'd been to Power 5. He'd been at small schools. Uh, Baylor, as an assistant coach uh, under Art Bryles, into Eastern Illinois head coach, and then Bowling Green, and then Syracuse, and obviously the mid-major level had a bunch of success. And, you know, it was this innovative, new uh, coach. I got sucked in right away. I listened to national media people. I, I listened to college football people uh, tell me how sneaky good he was and this and that and the other thing and how Syracuse football will turn around and be on the rise for a long time. Well... Here we are, 2016, 4-8, 2017-4-8, and I realized the two big upsets with Virginia Tech and Clemson, I realized that they were great wins, they were awesome to put Syracuse on the map, 
but they're only as good as your finishing touch. And Syracuse just completely and utterly with injury, bad play, uh, inconsistent coaching, terrible red zone offenses, you name it, uh, Syracuse, you know, failed to finish strong. I mean, they are horrible in the months of October and November um, in those two years. And then in 2018, Eric Dungy is fully healthy the entire way for the most part. I think that was the year he went out in the North Carolina game. DeVito came in and, and threw the, the pass to Ravion Pierce to win it. Uh, after, by the way, they called a read option for Tommy DeVito at the goal line. Great. Uh, but Eric Dungy at 10-3 and three with the overall record, 6-2 and two in the ACC. And they won the Camping World Bowl over West Virginia. And you said, okay, all right. You know what? I'm all in still. You know, 4-8, and 4-8, eight, and eight, I still was giving the guy a chance as well. Um, but you know, you, you, you look at it and you're, you're kind of sitting there going 10 and three Syracuse football really just won double digits. And Dino told us when he was in the, you know, introductory press conference, he told us to close our eyes. He told us about the underbelly of the program. He told us orange is the new fast. I was there. Um, you know, he told us about Syracuse football on the rise. He told us about a Pat Carrier Dome. He told us about baking the cake. He told us about everything, right? And for a couple of years, you were kind of like, yeah, well, 4 and 8, 4 and 8. But hey, big wins, right? Kind of on the, on the up and up in terms of, you know, getting upsets. And Syracuse football is all of a sudden all over college game day and all over national shows. And they're getting major attention with these upsets. But then they didn't finish that strong. But year three arrived. And as you went into it, you kind of said, this is the year Dino said he would deliver. This is the year he said that it takes recruits' time your own recruits time. Let's see what, what he's made of. Let's see what they're made of. And they were made of a 10-win season and a bowl win, Camping World Bowl win. And then 5-7. and seven. And then 1-10. and ten. And it's just now, this year in 2021, they start out extremely well with a nice win over a physical, solid, not great, but solid Ohio team. You know, they beat them by 20 points, and you're like, okay, okay. You come home, it's the first home game with fans in two years. You've got a team that Central New York hates. Rutgers is like the scab that will never go away to Syracuse fans in terms of football. We all hate Greg Schiano. We hate that program. It was so annoying when they were trying to take over New York City. And, you know, they're, oh, well, we're actually New York's college team. And Daryl Gross, of course, stupidly spent more money on cab uh, cab advertisements and Times Square and all the other crap that he blew money on. What a horrible, horrible athletic director he was. Um, congratulations on, on hiring Greg Robinson, Daryl Gross. What a clown. Um, but Rutgers is in the house. You've got everything there. And I knew for a fact that the crowd wouldn't show up. I knew it. And you know what? I just can't blame them because it was a 75-degree day. A lot of people probably watched it from home. A lot of people watched it outside on the porch with the TV. A lot of people maybe watched it on their phones while they were outside. 75 degrees outside, one of the last few perfect days that we're going to have in central New York until the shit show arrives. Uh, you know, I don't blame people for missing out on this game, um, planning maybe on going to one later in the year. But after that performance, what makes you want to go? You know, what makes you want to go to see them beat Albany? Well, I mean, you hope they can beat Albany. Liberty is going to be a major problem. I'm telling you, uh, that Friday, September 24th game is going to be a very, very, very difficult game for Syracuse because uh, Liberty's got some major speed and they've got some wicked playmakers. And Malik Willis is the real deal for Liberty. I mean, this is a big-time, big-time quarterback uh, he's already got, uh, you know, 371 yards through the air. He can kill you on the ground. He's going to be running all over Hell's Half Acre. I'm telling you, this guy, Malik Willis, is he's outstanding out of Atlanta, Georgia. He's going to give Syracuse all kinds of problems. In fact, I think Liberty wins that game, actually. I think Syracuse beats Albany, and then they lose to Liberty. And then the ACC schedule arrives. This was a perfect opportunity for the Orange. A perfect opportunity to take care of business at home against Rutgers, start 2-0, fan base would start buying back in, not just because you're 2-0, but because you beat Rutgers, you beat Chiano. You know, Syracuse has gotten their asses kicked in, in, in the recent times uh, against Rutgers. They used to own the series, 
obviously, and they've owned it all time. But during the Shiano era and up until now, I mean, they, 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 they've, they've, they've pounded Syracuse. This is a perfect time. This game was so frustrating. It was a defensive battle, scoreless at halftime. I mean, you want to talk about heading right to the Labatt Blue Zone at halftime. My God, I mean, you, you have to drink beers to watch this team. Um, and then Syracuse, you know, they started to, um, you know, I thought really miss opportunities. Uh, there was a 13-play, 63-yard drive by Rutgers to take the lead. Um, and and so you're like, oh, God, you know, in an offensive game like this, is this going to be like a 2-1 ball game, right? Like in baseball when your ace is really, really good but you can't score because the other guy's even he's as good or, or maybe even better. And then Sean Tucker came through. I mean, it was a really, really nice um, drive, 13 uh, excuse me, three plays, 75 yards. It was a 24-yard run. But then right after that, Syracuse gives up another one. Giovanni Haskins with a 30-yard pass from Noah Vidral, and Rutgers goes up 14-7. Valentino Ambrosio with a 27-yard field goal with 827 in the, uh, 823 in the fourth, and you're like, you know what? This, this game's over. Syracuse isn't coming back here. And, you know, late in the game, they're down, and Dino elects to punt. I mean... You know, it's it's things like that where, you know, you just sit there and you just scratch your head like, what is going on? Dino Babers' fluff, his cliche bullshit, um, all the promises at the press conference six years ago. Two-quarterback system, which never works, by the way. Garrett Schrader looked way better than Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito is supposed to be Dino Babers' prized possession, his prized recruit. The four-star out of Don Bosco prep. Size, strength, arm strength. Uh, uh, mobility inside the pocket. He could maybe play in the NFL. He's And I bought in. I bought in because I, I watched tape on the guy, and I was convinced. And I talked to a bunch of people from the recruiting services everywhere. Rivals, my man Mike McAllister. Uh, I, I bought in. Don Bosco Prep, all you have to do is say that name. It's almost like in the in, in the NFL draft. You know, you're, you're getting to the end of the draft, and you just don't know who to take. You don't know who the best player on the board is anymore, and you're just like, yeah, you know what? He played at L- he played at LSU, or he played at Alabama, he played at Georgia. SEC, yeah, we'll pick him, take a chance, right? I mean, it's kind of like that. Like Don Bosco Prep has that uh, incredible uh, uh, name recognition in college football, and he's been a total bust. The offensive line is embarrassing, and I understand that, but Tommy DeVito, when he gets a little bit of protection, just he airmails everything, and he's just he's brutal. I mean, it's just. You know, and it was it's a sad day when your number one wide receiver, Taj Harris, eight catches 122 yards. That's a sad day, and you lose the game. You know, it was a defensive struggle, it was a defensive battle. But again, Syracuse, all this orange is a new fast and the speed and look at us and the recruiting's better and all these different things, these 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 stupid these stupid broken promises. You know, week one you win, you're you're building things up for the home game, like let's go. And they lose at home to Rutgers. And look, if you're a Syracuse football fan, I would have no faith in this program. I would have no hope. I would uh, absolutely, positively just give up right now on the season. Because until they prove it, until they can be consistent for a couple of games, and what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Beat Albany and then Liberty? I mean, and start 3-1 and one like we like they need to, right? I mean, are we, are we going are, are to get that, right? Is that the... Is that the um, you know, is that the team we're going to get? And then they're going to just fall down the stairs again in October, November and finish, you know, if they go start three and one, are they going to finish four and eight? I mean, is that what's going to happen? You know, they're not going to win, you know, many games in the ACC. They're just not. Um, this is a team that uh, is fast in spots, but 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 others are faster, <laughs> you, know? Um, you know? There's no way they're going to beat Clemson. There's no way they're going to beat Vot Tech. I think they're going to get rolled at Louisville. Uh, and, and, you know, this conference is down. I mean, a lot of these teams are down. I mean, BC's brutal, Pitt, eh, you know, NC State, I think, is up a little bit, but Louisville's down. I mean, compared to what we saw during the Lamar Jackson era and they were pumping out pros left and right, I mean, Wake Forest down. I, I they're, they're Florida State way down, right? I mean, you know, and Florida State's got major athletes. I mean, I like, you know, some of the guys they have on, on that team. Um you know, Mackenzie Milton obviously is a great story. Jordan Travis, I think they might be sharing reps all year, which is stupid because, again, two-quarterback system just doesn't work. 
Uh, I would expect Mackenzie Milton to be the guy more so. Um, I love Jay Sean Corbin, the running back. I love Ja'Kai Douglas, a wide receiver. Those are like the big three or four guys uh, on the team. Uh, defensively, they're hurting Turkey, but Florida State's so much bigger and still so much faster than Syracuse. Um, you know, I just I, I don't have any faith, man. Between the Dino stuff, the cliches, the bullshit, uh, losing at home to Rutgers when you had all the momentum in the world, uh, fans back in the house. I, I just it's just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing, and the play calling, the coaching is so bad. It's so inconsistent. Look at Dino Babers' staff. How much has changed since he started here? I know that certain things happen, but you know. It, it's not over a three, four year time. I and mean, it's, you know, you have a, a staff for a couple of years and then you, a guy leaves and you bring in another guy, then another guy goes and you bring in another guy. I mean, there's just so much inconsistency with this program, with the coaching staff, and you lose that game in that fashion to Rutgers. Absolutely pathetic and embarrassing. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by your great friends at Stanley Law Offices. Remember, stanleylawoffices.com, personal injury lawyers, go to them if you need them. They will help you out. Stanley Law Offices, together, they'll work to get you the maximum award. A big-time thanks as well to Bryant Stratton College of Syracuse, Brian Comboy of Mass Mutual, New York State, and our great, great friends over at Camillo's Golf Club. Still some time to play golf in and around central New York. Some of you folks around the state of New York travel uh, to play golf. Camillo's is great. It's right off the highway of 690, 695, that kind of area on your way to Elbridge, uh, instead of taking a left on 321, once you get up to the light, you take a right, and Camillus is like a mile and a half down the road. They've got 18 holes of spectacular championship golf, awesome greens, awesome views, and a heck of a menu and uh, a beer selection uh, in the bar restaurant area after your round. Under Armour shirts, they've got Under Armour gear, awesome selection of golf balls with the Pro V1s and the like. Get on, get on over to Camillus Golf Club, the official golf course of the ML Sports Platter. Right here, we've got Sal Mayorana, Rochester Democrat and Chronicle, talking Buffalo Bills uh, from the Bills Brawl, a little crossover episode that I did. Uh, enjoy that. We uh, recap the Steeler game and preview the game at Miami this weekend. This is the ML Sports Platter. Here we go with Sal Mayorana. You're listening to a Brawl Network production. This is a podcast for the best fans in the NFL. Are you in the mafia? Am I in the what? It's time for a Bills Brawl podcast. Second down and seven. Kelly with the tie. Touchdown. Bill Brooks. Allen. Deep shot. Touchdown. On the line to Stephon Diggs. And Thurman breaking tackles at the 22. Inside the 10. Touchdown Buffalo. It is, in fact, another edition of the Bills Brawl. I'm your host, Mike Lindsley. Hit me on Twitter, at MikeLSports. Hey, later in the episode, we'll talk to the outstanding beatman and insider for the Buffalo Bills for the Democrat and Chronicle in Rochester, my good friend, Sal Mayorana. But before we get to Sal, I want to break down the Steelers and Bills and what's ahead against Miami this week. First things first, it was great to have fans back Full capacity in in most, if not all, stadiums around the NFL. Um, you know, there, there's nothing quite like, you know, week one kickoff, the anticipation, the buzz, all those sorts of things. The Bills, I think a huge part of why they laid an egg and didn't look great, especially offensively, because I thought the defense played pretty well, and I'll dive into that a little bit more here as we go along. But, you know, this team, many, 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 many people, locally, regionally, nationally, picking the Bills to win the Super Bowl. Three guys on on CBS, NFL on CBS in the pregame. I forget which ones, but three out of the five picked the Bills. Mike Trico picked the Bills. Adam Schein picked the Bills. Many former players have picked the Bills. Um, so you've got the Super Bowl picks, you've got the Allen contract, you've got him all over stores, on cover of magazines, QB1, the seltzer, the beer, the wing sauce, all the contracts there, all the business endorsements. You've got the hype, you've got the expectations, you've got 
fans back into the stands full capacity for the first time in two years for a regular season game. And I just think that all of that added up to just a little much for this Bills team. Now, do I think they can overcome it? Do I think that they still have a lot of talent? Do I think that they have a lot of great coaching? I do. Um, I think that they can. What's going to be fascinating, of course, is how do they react against Miami? Because if they don't perform against Miami, lay another egg and start 0-2, then we're going to have some problems. If Allen has another day like he did against Pittsburgh, we're going to have problems. No disrespect to Miami. Miami's a very, very good team. Brian Flores has got that whole thing working in the right direction. There's no question about that. But the thing that comes to mind with the Bills, you know, Allen, they started at home. All the things I mentioned, I almost would have preferred to start on the road. Maybe going on the road, getting a little bit of a, you know, fresh breath of air type of a thing. Going on the road, facing Tua, who was pretty erratic defensively. The Bills might be able to create some turnovers and, and wreak havoc there. Miami's a really good team. They're physical. They have good defense. They're well-coached. Uh, they have a potpourri of weapons for sure. Um, but the Bills should win that game, and they need to win that game. And there's 1 o'clock games across the board coming up. They've got the Dolphins. They've got the Texans. They've got the Washington football team. That should be should be three wins. I know should be doesn't always you know <laughs> add up in sports. But you know I think this could be a solid wake-up call for the Bills. Um, it's not what you want. There was a lot invested into this home opener. But, you know, think about what happened. The Bills in the first quarter, I thought, really, that was where they could have won the football game, right? Because they start the game off with a 75-yard uh, kickoff return to one uh, to to the twenty you know fourish yard line or whatever it was uh, by one Isaiah McKenzie right. So you have great field position. I know it's your first you know offensive possession of the year. I realize that you're in the in the red zone. Um, you know nothing's a guarantee, but but technically against a really good team, the fact is you you need those points. You got to get six there, and they didn't. They got three. And they were sloppy right out of the gate on offense. They did not take advantage of really, really good field position. They did not take advantage of stopping the Steelers in their tracks for field position. Um, so, you know, those things hurt them. The Bills had a golden opportunity. I mean golden to go up by double digits, but Allen overthrew Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, he had his DB beat by several feet. And he overthrew him by six. Um, that was a major problem. And the Bills did not convert with that. Just, they just didn't, you know. Um, and that could have been a big play. I think they could have won it in the first half. I really do. First quarter especially. You know, better field position. They won the line of scrimmage for the most part. They had open receivers. Allen misfired. Dable's play calling wasn't that great. Um, you know, they were getting enough of a balanced run attack. I mean, they abandoned it later, but, you know, Singletary, I thought, really performed well. He averaged six and a half yards a carry, um, you know, but the Bills really, really could have thrown a major dart right at the bullseye of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they did not do that. They did not take advantage of it. Um, I also feel like offensively that the Bills are a team that that offensively they can they can just go back and they don't have to go deep. You can go deep. They do have burners. They have Sanders. They have Diggs. Nobody else really receiving core-wise is is a burner. Cole Beasley's the best slot receiver uh, in football, and he goes over the middle. Very rarely will he get a catch over 20 yards. It just doesn't happen. Uh, his average was 7.5 over uh, the course of the game against Pittsburgh. Stephon Diggs, 7.7 .7 per catch. I feel like offensively, when you go back, despite the fact that you can go deep and you're the Bills, you don't need to throw the home run ball that often. You really don't. The Bills tried it multiple times. You know, Allen missed on digs, albeit double coverage was in, in place there. But, you know, the safety came over and it was just a disaster. Um, I, I, think, I think that it's one of those things where Emmanuel Sanders... Um, 
you, you you get one shot, you get a couple of shots, and and you gotta you gotta hit it. You know, you you, you gotta strike on, especially the Sanders one. The Diggs play in the first half, it was kind of like he was there. He had like eight. He had like I don't know. At first, if you looked at how when he started the 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 the, the route. It looked like he had maybe six to eight feet, and then it started to close, 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 close. Corner started to catch up, and then the safety started to come over. That play, I could see, you know, with incoming double coverage and incomplete play, you know, hey, you know what? <laughs> like That one didn't work out. The Sanders one, he was wide open. That was a flick of the wrist practice throw for Josh Allen. So offensively, it was a very disappointing game. Uh, Josh Allen obviously needs to be better. Brian Dable needs to be better. I thought those were the two guys, and look, you can point fingers everywhere. There's no doubt you can point it, right, towards Dable, towards McDermott, towards uh, Allen, towards many players. You can, you can do that, right? You can, you can point fingers all the time. But I thought the two central figures in this game were Allen and Dable, just not, um, not performing that well. I thought Dable really messed up quite a bit in terms of having – you know, too many read option calls again, too many designed runs for Josh Allen. I'm so over that bullshit uh, where Allen just run. I mean, listen, the guy's going to run and try to make plays anyway. Why are we adding more plays for Josh Allen to get injured? It's just absolutely positively absurd. And I just thought it was unnecessary. Um, the Bills, the jitters offensively, you could see it. I mean, you could see you know, the stuff that I led the podcast with, right? Like Josh Allen with the hype, the contract, the expectations, the fans. But you could tell he was erratic. And he fumbled a couple of times as well in the first half, one of which was lost. Uh, T.J. Watt stripping him, you know, after his rush from the left side. You know, Allen was erratic Allen. I mean, he really he really was. Now, look, everybody's allowed a bad game. <laughs> I don't know why some fans, some media people think that you're not allowed a bad game. Michael Jordan had a bad game. Wayne Gretzky had a bad game. And in real life, we all have bad days. You have a bad day mowing the lawn, or you have a bad bad day as a dad or mom. You have a bad day inside your marriage. You have a bad day at work. Everybody has a bad day. That's okay. Everybody has a bad day. You're not going to win all 17 games. I think that this could be a real wake-up call for the Bills. Remember last year, I didn't know how they were going to react, and this was after wins against Seattle and after win, uh, uh, wins against Seattle and the Rams. Um, uh, they lost at the buzzer to the Arizona Cardinals on the Hal Murray play. And I was like, man, I'm just not sure. You know, they're going into a bye. They outplayed the Cardinals, which, again, they outplayed the Steelers for a good portion of the first half. I just sat there and said, man, I don't know how they're going to react. I don't know how they're – and they regrouped. They looked at tape. And as Allen says many, many times, things aren't as great and aren't as bad as they, they look when you watch the tape. And he's probably right. They're probably somewhere in the middle for this Bills team, considering that they still could have won the game. They only lost by one touchdown. Um, and then you think about the miraculous plays too, right? You think about that crazy catch by, you know, Deontay Johnson. You think about uh, uh, many, many things in the game. What if the onside kick gets recovered? You know, do the Bills can the Bills tie the game there? I mean, maybe, right? Um, it's just it's football. They just didn't take advantage of anything in the beginning of the game. Um, but you know. The Bills have to be better. I mean, they have to be better. Allen has to be better. Dable has to be better. Um, you know, and, and maybe the jitters are, are out. Um, I do give the, the, the defense of the Bills a lot of credit. Uh, I do want to hit a couple of positives here for Buffalo. Um, you know, there were four or five defenders who I thought were, were amazing the whole game, and they were everywhere the whole game. Um, actually... Actually, I'm going to go with six defenders. Taron Johnson was amazing. Seven total tackles, all of them solo. Jordan Poyer was all over the place. Six total tackles and five solo. Micah Hyde, six and five. Levi Wallace was actually pretty good. I mean, that DPI call I know you know happened, but uh, he was pretty good for the most part. I'm not going to put him in this category. He's just on the outside. I thought Matt Milano was really good. Uh, so Johnson, Poyer, Hyde, Milano, um, actually there's, there's, there's seven, eight guys I want to mention. Tremaine Edmonds, I forgot about. He actually, I thought was all over the field. I think as the game went on, he, he maybe didn't make as many plays, but he was active and all over the place, making tackles, charging towards the run. Um, Ed Oliver was outstanding, uh, in this, in this football game. Trey White should have had a pick in the third quarter. They called it back because of DPI. I thought that was a horseshit call. It was mano y mano. 
hand contact and the like, and they called him for a pass interference. I thought that was a joke call. Um, you know, I thought the, the other couple of guys, I guess now it's nine, right? Like Russo, Greg Russo in his first game, you know, he started two tackles. Uh, he was a force early. Uh, he made his presence known early. He was great against the run, so he's going to be a good one. And then Mario Addison, of course, causing and wreaking havoc uh, in the beginning of the game. Addison and Russo kind of tailed off a little bit, um, but from start to finish, I thought mostly, you know, it was White, it was Oliver, it was Milano, it was Hyde, it was Poyer, it was Johnson. So really good uh, outings from those guys there. Uh, on the Pittsburgh side, I mean, look, you know, you don't take advantage early on uh, with with points. You're definitely going to pay for it later. Good teams figure it out. The Steelers are well coached. Mike Tomlin is fantastic. Um, and I, I just thought that that really was a big part of it. You know, not taking advantage early in the first half. The Bills, they kind of, you know, they kind of let the, 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 I think the gas was kind of too much on the pedal. And then, you know, then they, when they started to calm down, they, they just, they lost all their will at the, at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, I heard Akib Talib with Colin Cowherd this morning on the Sunday NFL recap show on the volume. And he pointed out, and he's very, very right. He, he said, you know, you, you can say it all day long, but, you know, in the trenches is where you win these games. You know, from start to finish, that's where you win them. You know, you might have more talent and make more plays. You might do this, you might do that. You might get the one turnover. But the most consistent thing that you can do to help your cause is win the line of scrimmage. And the Pittsburgh Steelers ended up doing exactly that. You know, I mean, that's... I, I, I think that there's one major, major foothold here, and it's it's got to be just an important, important point is that, and I, I used to tell people this all the time on Syracuse basketball postgame shows, <laughs> you need... You need absolutely positively to always understand that you're not out on the field alone. You're not on the court alone. You are playing against another team, <laughs> and there are factors from the other team. In this particular case, Big Ben Roethlisberger is a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, he's not the old Ben, but he's still some quality Big Ben there. You, you saw him make some killer throws, especially late in the game. Deontay Johnson made a great play, obviously. Juju Smith-Schuster went up the ladder a little bit and grabbed some, some balls. But he was still Big Ben at a lot of points in time in the second half. He didn't have overwhelming numbers, but that's kind of what they want to have from him now. I mean, he threw 32 times. That's about what they want from him because I think Najee Harris, the rookie standout out of Alabama, I think he's going to be a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful player in the NFL. He wasn't a factor against the Bills, but I think he's going to grow into being another one of those power backs from the Steelers days gone by, uh, you know, thunder and lightning type back. Um, you know, he's speedy, he's shifty, he's strong and powerful. He moves his feet really well. He's got great vision. Uh, I think Najee Harris, you know, falling in line, Le'Veon Bell, Jerome Bettis, you know, all those uh, running backs that they've had from uh, days gone by, years gone by, I think is going to be, I think he's going to be a good one. Um, but you have Juju Smith-Schuster, you have Chase Claypool, you have Deontay Johnson. Those three guys are really, 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 really good. Uh, Eric Ebron is formidable, but he's not really a dominating type player, tight end. He's not a Travis Kelsey. He's not a George Kittle. But it's Johnson, it's Claypool, it's Schuster, it's 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 Big Ben. And oh, by the way, on defense, they are absolutely ferocious. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense last year when they won the first 11 games in the regular season, they were terrifying, and they still are terrifying. T.J. Watt coming off that big contract, four-year extension, $112 million. Uh, You got Cam Hayward just plugging holes every which way. T.J. Watt had two sacks and a, and a fumble uh, forced, which was recovered by Pittsburgh after the Bills had unbelievable field position basically handed to him on a silver platter. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, absolutely all over the place. Ten tackles, six of which were solo. He's one of the best players in the National Football League. I would put him in there as a top I don't know, three safety in the NFL. I really would. And oh, by the way, he comes from Alabama too. Isn't it unbelievable? You know, I mean, is that is that university running back you, wide receiver you, quarterback you, defensive you, safety you, linebacker you, defensive end you? 
it's 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 NFL you is what it is. And Fitzpatrick, he he's like forgotten about in the Alabama years of Nick Saban in terms of uh, you know, going to uh going to the NFL and dominating. He was great, he was all over the place, unbelievable tackler against the run, against the pass, he can play zone, he can play help man. I mean he's he's just he's ridiculous. Uh Devin Bush, ten tackles, six were solo. You take a look at the rest of those guys. Like I said, TJ Watt and Cam Hayward all over the place. Um, you know, Terrell Edmonds, uh, Tremaine's brother was a factor, um, was kind of all over the place, uh, stopping the bills. Um, so that defense is really, really good. I think that their corners are not that great at all. Um, the problem with the corners is you can expose them. Um, and I think the bills did it many times in this game but they didn't really stick to it. I don't know what the deal was with the read options, and then when they did start to you know, really commit to the run, they found something there, I think, late in that game in the fourth quarter. Devin Singletary was just, they found something on the left side, and that was like the first time you really felt like, oh, wow, the Bills can run the ball here, coming back, this and that, but they needed more than that. They needed quick strikes, quick, quick scores. I just always feel like, you know, the Bills have a six- to eight-yard window every time because Stephon Diggs can run every route long and short. You know, he can run crossing patterns. He can run to the outside and catch it. He's got great hands. You know, let him catch it, let him go, you know, yak, right, yards after the catch. He can do that. Cole Beasley, almost every time I feel like he's got, you know, six, seven, eight yards over the middle, right? I feel the same way about Gabe Davis. He made an awesome touchdown catch, by the way, in this game. Uh, which that drive told you maybe in the second quarter, like, oh, man, the Bills, right? Like, they really feel like they're kind of they're kind of doing it here, right? You know, like, this is, this, is, uh, this is it. And I just think that the Bills, um, you know, with Gabe Davis, three-yard pass from Josh Allen, um, you know, just, just at the end of that second quarter, you started saying, okay, maybe this is it. They're up double digits now. You get a touchdown. Maybe the offense just figured it out. Maybe that just was really – the drive to figure it out. And it was 13 plays and 91 yards. And then Pittsburgh just controlled the line of scrimmage in the second half. And it was extremely impossible for the bills to make way, make hay, you know, in the second half, Pittsburgh tightens up, Pittsburgh gets the ball back. Um, You know, they get the ball first rather in the second half, they come down, they get a field goal. You're like, okay. And the bills defense was great. Again, held them to a field goal, 10, six, but couldn't you just feel as the offense was still sputtering, the play calling was horrible. Allen was missing. Uh, you could just feel the game turning slowly. It was making you sick if you're a Bills fan, because I couldn't tell you how many times I turned to my buddies uh, up at Skippy's on the point, my man J Dubs and, and, and the crew hanging out. Uh, John and Mark Walls or John Walzik, Mark was there, uh, and my man Mike Nuzo and Dan Reynolds and all of us hanging out um, up there. Um, you know, Leslie and Bing, Bing and John expecting a, a baby here in about a month. So congrats to them. Super excited uh, for them to expand the family. Um, but we all, you know, it's a very tight knit group and it's more than that. There's a lot of guys, we're all Bills fans. And we, I just can't tell you the amount of times I turned and said, this doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. This game's pissing me off. I don't feel good about this. They didn't take advantage early in the game. And then voila, all it took was the fourth quarter for a 52 yard drive and Big Ben hit Deontay Johnson, great catch. Steelers get the ball again. They 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 block the punt. That was the big play, really, of the game because it was still only a three-point game where you said, well, the Bills' offense is still sputtering, still sucking, but maybe, 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 maybe with a three-point game, they can at least have a really good drive. Even if you get three, the defense can take over, the crowd can take over. Uh, maybe you can just sneak out of here with like an ugly three-point win, but it wasn't meant to be. Because uh, Ulysses Gilbert the uh, third, great name, uh, had a nine-yard return of a blocked punt by Chris Bos- uh, by the, uh, the Chris Boswell uh, kick, uh, and that was a touchdown. And that was literally, um, you know, that was a that was a great great play, you know, by Pittsburgh. Uh, I thought Hack held the ball a little bit too long as the punter. He had a really good day before that, but you know, it, it all gets canceled out when you're only down three, and you gotta you know kind of bail your team out with a big kick. And, you know, can't even get the damn thing off. Tyler Baskets a field goal, cuts it to a touchdown. You know, that was 523 left. It's like, well, you're just going to run out of time now. And that's exactly what happened. You know, they added another one at 23-13, a field goal. And then Tyler Bass again 
uh, he had a very good day. Tyler Bass was outstanding uh, under one minute, and then uh, the, the, the Bills did not get the onside kick. So uh, a lot to learn, a lot for the Bills to, to kind of look at the tape and correct. Uh, you played a really good team on the other side. You played playmakers. I think the Steelers are every year an AFC championship contender. I just think they're one of those staple brand franchises, one of those trademark teams that's well-run, front office, head coach. Uh, you know, they've got Hall of Fame players, um, and, and they're just there every single year. They're in the conversation, 10, 11, 12 wins, winning divisions, making playoff spots, uh, and, and contending for a championship. And, and I think Pittsburgh this year will be no different. Uh, the offensive line is, is a little bit of a worry spot, but maybe they'll grow together and be good together. The defense is outstanding. They have enough on offense, and if Najee Harris gets it going, Pittsburgh could easily win that division. I picked the Browns to win it, but, man, I, I wonder Pittsburgh here. I wonder maybe if that was the pick. So we'll see what happens with the Dolphins for sure coming up uh, here this week. Uh, should be a really, really good game. A tough contest for the Bills, but I'll have all my preview stuff later in the week. But I think the Bills will win that game. I don't know the score. i, I got to look at matchups and all the rest. Um, but I think they'll be hungry. I think they'll correct some things. I don't think they'll blow them out, but I think they'll win. And I think all will be back to normal, back on its axis in Western New York. And then, you know, you go home, get those two wins at home, and then you got the big primetime games against the Chiefs and Titans and then a bye week. And then you really start to play football and learn who you are as a football team. But it was just, they just did not take advantage early in the game enough. And I think a lot of it had to do with the hype expectations, the Allen contract, fans back in the stands, all the wildness, you know, all the Allen deals, the business deals, endorsements, seltzers and beers and this and that and wing sauce and all the rest just was too much for this team on the home opener. Uh, but credit to Pittsburgh as well, because that's a good team on the other side. Sal Mayorana is the beat man and insider for the Buffalo Bills for the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle. Go follow him on Twitter. He is a must follow at Sal Mayorana. He has uh, been a Buffalo Bills reporter for a long, long time, does an unbelievable job. Let's bring in Sal right now. Sal, thank you for a few, pal. How are you, man? I am good, Mike. How you doing? I'm well. Love chatting with you, as always. You know, this happens in sports, right? Like, hype, expectations, the Allen contract. He's on cover of, covers of magazines. The seltzer, the beer, the, the marketing endorsements, the wing sauce, uh, Bills fans, mafia back in the seats, full capacity for the first time in two years. How much of all of that, the Super Bowl picks, right? All that stuff. How much of all that contributed to them losing in week one against the Steelers? You know, honestly, Mike, th- th- those are all easy arguments to make, I think. The reason the Bills lost that game yesterday is because Pittsburgh punched them in the mouth and they never had a response. Pittsburgh was just the better team all the way around. And that's why the Bills lost the game. I, I don't buy into, you know, Josh Allen was hyped up in front of the crowd. Josh Allen, with the exception of last year, has played in front of crowds his whole life. And that had nothing to do with anything. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, I, I, but I don't think I am. The reason the Bills did not play well yesterday is because that Pittsburgh team, I think a lot of people overlooked them. They seem to be writing them off because Roethlisberger's 39 years old. That is still a really good team that I think is going to be a playoff team. And they just came to Buffalo and literally beat the hell out of the Bills. That's as plain as simple as it can be. What did you see out of the Bills that you liked? Well, I mean, <laughs> I like the fact that, you know, they they are still aggressive on offense. Nothing is going to change. I mean, they ran, I think, more four and five wide sets in this game than they did at all last year. You know, last year they ran some four, but it was mo- it was mostly the three wides with a tight end in the back, and they just dominated teams with that formation. Yesterday they really spread things out, so I did like that aspect of it. The problem was the Steelers were able to rush four all day and cover with seven. So even if you've got five guys in the pattern, if there's seven guys covering, it was very difficult. And what made it even worse is Allen never had time to really get set and go through it because the Steelers' defensive line absolutely manhandled the Bills' offensive line. It was a mismatch all day. What would you think of Brian Dable's play calling? <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously there, there were certain calls that you just scratch your head. Um, I think he's a great coordinator. I think generally he is a great play caller. But there were times, even in his first three years, where you, you scratched your head and said, you know, why are you overthinking this? Why are you getting so cute? 
and that was really the case on those two fourth down. Well, there was the one third down, third and one. He calls a flea flicker. I mean, what the? You got a six foot five, two hundred and forty pound quarterback who almost—he's like Brady. He never gets stomped on that quarterback sneak. What are you doing, calling a flea flicker? And it wasn't like it was a flea flicker to the end zone. It was a twenty yard pass to the sideline. Like, why yeah. do that? And obviously, the fourth and one call in the fourth quarter—that was hideous. Oh. I again, I. You know, this, uh, granted, the Steelers made a really nice play. The kid who stopped that just read it perfectly. I don't know. I don't know where they could have seen that and expected that play because the Bills have never tried that. But he just made a great athletic play and blew it up. That wasn't the problem. The problem was, what the hell were the Bills doing calling that play in the first place? Yeah, no doubt. Sal Marana here uh, talking some Bills football. Um, at Sal Maron on Twitter, the, the longtime beat man and insider for the Bills for the Democrat and Chronicle in Rochester. Um, obviously, you know, it, it is overreaction Monday. It's overreaction after week one. People do it, fans, media, uh, players and coaches and GMs know better. They stay grounded. Big game, though, this week against Miami. I mean, you know, you're only as good as your next game, right? And in Miami, they get the win against New England. Their defense looks pretty good. It's a road game. It's a division game. Um, do you like the Bills to get back, you know, in the win column here? And if they don't, what are, is that time to worry if they're 0-2? Well, you know, it wouldn't be ideal, obviously, if they're 0-2. I wouldn't say that I'd be worried yet. Um, but, yeah, I think it's an important game for the Bills to go down there. Um, I think Miami, like Pittsburgh, I think yeah. a lot of people are going to maybe overlook the Dolphins. It's a pretty good team. I mean, they went into New England. Now, granted, that's not the Brady Patriots, but they went into New England and beat the Patriots yesterday. They're pretty good. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a big test for the Bills. And let's not forget, like, the, the Dolphins, they have some payback coming. The Bills yeah. annihilated them in that last game of the year, 56-26. to 26. Josh Allen, ever since he came into the league, he has owned the Dolphins. I think he's 7-1 against the Dolphins in his career. He's owned that. So you know they're going to be bent in that game. The Bills better play better than they did Sunday, or they are going to be 0-2. Yeah, no doubt. Um, before I let you run, I got I got a couple quickies here. The The run game, it seemed like they were going to try to do some balancing with Singletary and those ridiculous uh, quarterback design runs, which I don't understand because... Allen's going to run anyway. He's going to try to make plays when the play gets broken down. Why are you adding opportunities for him to get wailed on? Uh, but they did seem like they wanted to balance a little bit with the run. Then they abandoned the run for a big chunk of time. Then they found some things late on the left side with Devin Singletary. How much balance do you think w- the Bills give to this offense from a running standpoint? Look, they're, they're a pass-first team. Like We know this. It's how they're built. They're best players are their wide receivers and their quarterback. It's not Devin Singletary or Zach Moss. So I expect that the Bills are going to keep throwing it and probably be an imbalanced offense. But that's not to say that they have to figure out a way to run the ball a little bit better than they did last year for sure. You know, look, Singletary had a couple nice plays yesterday. Um, You know, 25 came on the one play. But overall, I thought he played a good game. So I think they will try to incorporate the run uh, maybe a bit more, but I, I wouldn't want them to go away from their strength, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they are four deep at wide receiver, and that, that's before you even get to McKenzie and Kumaro. Yeah. They should stick to what they do best. No doubt. Chuck it around. Final thing for you, Sal. Uh, outside of the Bills, what did you see, if anything, week one takeaways, things that stood out? Again, not trying to get too high, too low about certain teams, but what did you see? And by the way, Patrick Mahomes in September – I don't know if anybody has a better month in sports than Patrick Mahomes in September. Maybe Patrick Mahomes in February, right? But my God, uh, it, there's no score. The score is so irrelevant with the Chiefs. It isn't even funny, you know? Yeah, he's great. There's no doubt about it. He's great. I wish I could have seen that game. You know, people forget that when you're, when you're covering a team. I know, like you I, can't see everything. I know. I really don't see anything. I, 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 I watched, I came home last night and watched the NFL Network, um, a lot of the highlights because yeah. I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to invest myself in the Yankees game, Mike, although it turned out I probably should have. It sounded like it was a fun game. 
But I did watch a little thing, a little bit of stuff around the league, and I tell you, I certainly enjoyed watching Eric Rodgers stink. That was fun. I'm kind of tired of his whole act. So the fact that he stunk it up was kind of entertaining. And by the way, uh, that hair is brutal. I mean, you know, what is that? He's got it tied up in the back. He looks ridiculous. I don't know what he's going for. I think he's been dating too many Starwoods or something. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, what Mahomes? I'm trying. I'm looking it up right now because the the stat is 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 absurd. He has no interceptions in the month of September in his career. Care to guess how many touchdown throws after yesterday, as we record this, he has in the month of September? I would guess what maybe thirty. Wow, pretty good. Thirty five touchdowns. Yeah, he's a great player. He's Mike. spectacular. Yeah, he is spectacular. Yeah. And- if the Bills are going anywhere, he's the obstacle. They're going to have to get past him. And I'll tell you what, the way they played yesterday, the Chiefs would roll them. If they played next week and they played the same way, the Chiefs are so much better than the Bills right now. Yeah, no doubt. Sal Maron, a Democrat and Chronicle, covering the Buffalo Bills. Uh, go get him on Twitter. Must follow, at Sal Marana. Hey, Sal, thanks for the time. And, uh, hey, it only took the Yankees until mid-September to figure out Glaber Torres shouldn't play shortstop. How about that? Mike, we have that's a whole new podcast. It sure right? is. So we can talk about the Yankees all day long. Lost faith a long time ago. Thank you, buddy. All right, buddy. Take care. You know when you order a new video game or a golf club, or a blender, and then it arrives at your door. You get a little thrill. Imagine how much more thrilling it is when you order a new car. With Nissan at Home, you can shop for the perfect ride and order it without ever having to go anywhere. Sure beats a golf club or a blender. Buy a new car entirely online with Nissan at Home. Deliver direct from dealer to driveway. Thrill starts here. Services may vary at participating dealers subject to applicable lossy dealer for details. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments, where bold moves require confident blueprints, where you can accelerate transformation through consistency, where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at saic.com cloud. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.